Welcome to the Living Leadership Podcast. Equipping leaders to live in Christ joyfully and serve Him faithfully. The following audio was recorded at Refresh Network Online, an online community for gospel encouragement and refreshment for Christian leaders and their spouses. As I say, thank you. And uh, that really was a nice build-up. I feel as if I I should be at my own funeral. Um, But anyway, I'm going to share my screen with you and, and then proceed. So... Hopefully you are seeing that. Um, okay. And one of the things that I got at Christmas was a slide scanner uh, because I had about four or five boxes of old slides in um, a wardrobe and I needed to clear out some room not for myself, but for Laura, my wife. So I've digitized them. And in the process, it has been a, a, a journey down far too many years of memories. And uh, here are some of them. Uh, you, you know, every four-year-old is a cutie, uh, but I probably challenge that. But there I am at Rook and Glen Park in Glasgow. Uh, aged four year old, and there is a a much slimmer uh, version of myself younger. I don't know why I felt obliged to pose beside a bunch of bananas, but that was actually on my honeymoon, aged 22. And I did come across this one as well. Uh, I, I don't know if you can actually trace the 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 facial likeness from the first photograph to the third, but there I am in 2019, aged 16. I only put that up because it gives you an opportunity to do the calculation of my current age. But there you go. I was indulging in memories, but not just of myself, but of uh, many of the people in my life who have blessed me and helped me. And I think on this network, uh, the person who has known me longest is Gordon Weir, with maybe Colin McPhee coming a close second. But it has been delightful to remember so many people. And in fact, that was in my mind. And as it happens in the providence of God, today's reading in my own personal reading scheme is Second Timothy chapter 1. And I've done it in this script because it looks a bit like a letter, which, of course, it was. It was a personal letter. I just want to read that for you, and you'll see um, the connection to my opening thoughts. Second Timothy chapter 1 says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus, To Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Guard the deposit entrusted to you. 
I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. Well, you'll see immediately that there was an emphasis there on remembering and reminding. And Paul is active in in remembering Timothy, but he also encourages Timothy. Uh, he reminds him about this very particular issue. So I thought we'd just look at that for a bit, uh, because in this uh, in this passage, we certainly get a flavour of what was really important to Paul, and that is a relationship and the cementing of the relationship was about continual remembering. And that, that is important, that even when we're at a distance from people, either by virtue of time or geography, that we remember them, and we do that in very particular ways. So as I was remembering, I was remembering my father. He's no longer with us, but you'll guess that he's the tall one in the picture. And there are, well, four of what were six uh, siblings. My eldest sister, who's still with us, then the blonde one with the unfolded jacket, that's me. And then my wee sister, who's right in front of my dad, that's Anna, she's still with us. But my brother John, uh, on my right hand side, he's no longer uh, with us. Uh, he died a few years ago, sadly. But as I remember them, of course, I remember the loving relationship that we had and still have. And Paul promotes that, first of all. It's all about relationships as far as he's concerned. And he calls Timothy his beloved child. And the first eight usages of that adjective uh, are used by the gospel writers to describe God's relationship with his son. This is my beloved son. And for those of us who've been blessed with Christian uh, parents, we remember their great love for us. And with you know those sweet memories, we can go forward. And if we've got children ourselves, we try to uh, emulate them. But of course, in Paul and Timothy's sake, uh, or circumstances, that it was a, a spiritual father that Paul was acting out to, to Timothy. But that quality of the relationship 
was one of uh, love and a closeness. Of course, Timothy had been with him for um, many years at this point as he's writing to him. Uh, Timothy is in Ephesus and Paul is in prison in, in Rome. And he, Paul is remembering the qualities of his spiritual son, Timothy, over 16 or 17 years. And so what he does is that he uh, is reminded of, of him. And there are a number of things that we'll look at as he remembers. But I wonder if you, you know uh, some mnemonics, little aids to memory. I'm going to test you. And please feel free to unmute and give me a response. There are no prizes, but of course the word mnemonic comes from the Greek as, as Paul uses it here uh, uh, in remembering and reminding. So there's the first mnemonic. What, what do you make of that one at all? How I want a drink. Alcoholic, of course. Forgive me for lowering the tone in a devotional talk. Anyone got it? Well, it, it is, of course, to remember the first few digits of pi, and it's 3.141592 and 6. There you go. How I want a drink, alcoholic, of course, and that will be you be able to remember the first few digits of pi. And then uh, I wonder if you know what this one is. Dashing in a rush, running harder, or else accident. That's absolutely it. How to spell diarrhea. I, yes, I know. I, I, I like to push the boundaries. And then what, what about this one? What do you think this is a mnemonic for? My very educated mother just served us nine potatoes. Uh, nowadays, they might say nine pizzas. Planet, planetary order, that's it. Uh, Mercury, Venus, Earth, Mars, and so on. And elephants and donkeys grow big ears. They're particularly useful for those who play the guitar because it's the tuning of the strings from top to bottom. E-A-D-G-B-E. Um... I think I would have more problems remembering the mnemonic. And then there's the shortest one for you. What might that be a mnemonic for? Oh, there's no hiding a classical education. And it had to be from Northern Ireland, of course, didn't it? That's exactly right, Paul. There you go. That's the order of uh, three great um, Greek philosophers. However... Paul didn't need to be reminded of that because he's got this relationship to rely on uh, with, with Timothy. And you'll see that in his letters, uh, particularly the pastoral letters, as Timothy uh, is an example, that he remembers quite a number of individuals. And there are some of the names in red at top and bottom. But he remembers Timothy 
in prayer and how important that is to remember those with whom we are spiritually connected as well as related in family, that there is a regular pattern day and night. And it's quite obvious to me, even in a prayer meeting, when somebody prays and they've been remembering uh, circumstances or individuals in prayer because it comes out in their language. And, of course, prayers uh, do have a consistent content. We do pray specifically for certain things, but there should be a pattern to our, our prayers. And certainly, they should be focused on individuals more than on uh, situations, although we might pray for situations from time to time. And then what Paul also remembers is remembers the tears of Timothy. Now, we're not told uh, when that occasion was, but perhaps it was uh, sorrow in departing, perhaps joy in reunion, the last time that they met. But the tears and, and an emotive experience are so important to remember. Uh, when, when we are very emotional, how we're really giving of ourselves, we're displaying something of our inner selves. And Paul remembers that and remembers that connection. And then he's reminded of the sincere faith of Timothy. That is, without hypocrisy, there was, um, there was no play acting. There was an openness and a transparency. And that's the kind of relationships that we do want to have. In fact, I was speaking with, with someone just yesterday where we were talking about that. Because sometimes, you know, when we're speaking with someone, and perhaps even if we're giving advice or whatever, we've got two tracks running. We've got what we should be saying being spoken. And then we've got other things going on in our minds as well. And... And yet we want to absolutely focus on individuals that we have a close relationship with. And we want to be absolutely open and transparent so that our words become, as well as our actions, our facial expressions, they want to become windows into our souls. And Paul and Timothy do have that kind of relationship. And in that uh, intimate relationship there of a spiritual father, a spiritual son, then Paul says, I want to remind you of the gift. And, and he gives a, a positive challenge. He reminds Timothy that he's got to uh, practice his gift. He's got to fan it into flame. He's got to indulge in enthusiasm and eagerness for exercising the gift that was bestowed on him through the laying on of Paul's hands. And later on in the letter, he is going to give a negative challenge as well. And he says, do not neglect. And there is a, a, an urging there of, you know, don't be lazy about it. Don't be forgetful about it. And they've got that kind of, relationship. And there is 
his remembering of Timothy and his prompting of Timothy. So I'm just really going to close with questions and as I make an application. And here is here is my mum encouraging me to get out of the house. And I still need that encouragement because I find it very comfortable in the study. And lockdown, in many respects, was not a hardship for me. But I still need encouragement to get out. And especially for developing the kind of relationships that I ought to be developing at my age or maintaining at my age. And so as we go to our groups, I would like us to think about the relationships that we have, and particularly those of uh, a discipling uh, nature. And I would like to challenge us about who am I intentionally discipling? Who have I set my attention on so that I may help and build up and encourage and develop and disciple are there specific individuals? You know, as a pastor, I, I often wondered about the impact of Bible teaching and so on on, on the whole congregation. Uh, it didn't take me long to have confirmed what I always knew, that in fact the most effective work I could do uh, was to get alongside people on a one-to-one -one basis. And although I'm retired from my role as, as pastor of Teesside Christian Fellowship, I'm still intentionally discipling some of those people. They are long-term relationships, and even uh, long-term relationships from my previous church. And, and I would like us to challenge, I'd like us to be challenged by this kind of relationship that Paul had with Timothy. Who am I intentionally discipling? And especially, what kind of prayer relationship do I have with them or on their behalf? Am I discipling only when I'm speaking with them and, uh, and getting an update on where they are or, or reading together? Or, or do I have an ongoing prayer relationship for these brothers and sisters? And then... I would also like us to be challenged about this. How much do I encourage them? You know, I, I bless the Lord for bringing me into this network of encouragers. It has meant so much to me coming into living leadership. And I've been encouraged disproportionately. But I, I would like us to think about our active encouragement our going out of the way, but also our bravery when we need to challenge those with whom we have a relationship, whom we pray for, who we care for, who we remember and we're involved in their personal circumstances. Are we going to correct them? Are we going to be brave enough to intervene? And in a loving, tender way, are we going to challenge them? So, these are the challenges that came out for me of uh, Paul's early part of that second letter to Timothy, the last known writing we've got of the Apostle Paul. And uh, am I willing to emulate him 
in his discipling. Thank you for listening to the Living Leadership Podcast. We hope what you've heard today spurs you on in your walk with the Lord. If you're encouraged by today's episode, consider sharing it with a friend or colleague or leaving us a review on your podcast app of choice to help others find us. If you'd like to engage further with us on anything we've discussed today, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on any major social media application at Living Leaders, or you can visit our website, www.livingleadership.org, where you'll find even more support and resources to help you live in Christ joyfully and serve him faithfully. Blessings. Blessings.